Yo, good morning. Uh, it's frankly speaking Wednesday morning. Uh, today flying solo. Andrew Levy is out uh, getting some cosmetic surgery or something of the sort. Uh, you know, these, uh, these Gucci revolutionaries, as uh, they've been called, uh, on the one hand, uh, putting their fists up in the air, on the other, getting cosmetic surgery. He'll come back and he'll explain what exactly uh, is going on there. Uh, welcome to Frankly Speaking on Cliff Central this morning. Uh, today, we're, we're looking at a topic that has been raging um, uh, across the country. Uh, I even saw headline uh, headline news today. The I think the star is saying uh, the reign of terror at the SABC. So we hear these things. We hear big words like censorship. Cloudy, the COO of SABC, doesn't know what they mean. Um, and we want to find out, is uh, is the SABC uh, engaging in censorship or is it just taking control of the negative national uh, narrative? We have heard uh, numerous times, I'm sure one of you out there is also, has also said that, you know, the media is so negative. The media constantly shows the negative and we never stop to celebrate the positive. And uh, it seems like uh, the COO of the SABC uh, agrees with this and has uh, instituted uh, all sorts of things at the SABC that we'll hear a little bit more about uh, to try and maybe just put a positive spin on things. And there are some who've got their hands in the air. How can he do that? They've called it censorship. They've called it all sorts of things. They've compared him to Goebbels uh, of the Nazi of the of the Nazi regime. Uh, and the question then is, you know, is it such a bad thing to just want to put a positive spin on things? Why is everybody hating on Cloudy? Uh, this is what we want to talk about today. Frankly speaking, is the SABC engaging in censorship or is it just taking control of the negative national narrative? Uh, if you have a view, if you want to, uh, say anything, contribute, uh, you're welcome to hit us up on Twitter, um, at, at, at Rory, uh, Shabalala and also you can hit us up on WeChat at, uh, cliffcentral.com. Uh, we'd love to hear your views, but, uh, before we get there, let's let's get somebody in here who knows a little bit more about this than uh, you and me. Uh, Mika Reddy uh, is the medium free, media freedom organizer at the Right to Know campaign. Mika, good morning. Hi, thanks, Rory. Mika, you you are the media freedom organizer, and you were explaining it to me, and that's this wasn't part of the script, but can you? It just sounds very interesting. What exactly is a media freedom organizer? Well, it's an advocacy role. <clears throat> um, we deal with media freedom issues. The Right to Know campaign, which was started uh, five six years ago, is a freedom of expression, info access. Uh, civil society organization. We're a coalition of grassroots organizations, uh, NGOs, activists coming together to fight for a South Africa that um, upholds freedom of expression, a South Africa where the free flow of information is is uh, guaranteed as it is in the constitution, but also in practice. We want to see that in practice. And we, we want a South Africa that is more transparent and open and just. Uh, so we do a lot, we deal with a lot of issues broadly under the umbrella of freedom of expression and info access, a lot of work on secrecy and surveillance, whistleblowers, the right to protest, it's, uh, uh, and so on. Uh, so my role in that is to organize the media freedom leg, 
media freedom and diversity. Diversity is an important part of it because media freedom and and diversity are two sides of the same coin. Mm. We always say. Mm. Um, so and and that itself is quite a broad leg. So we deal with the right to communicate, uh, freedom of expression issues, the everything from the costs of. Uh, the cost of data and airtime, the high extortionate costs of data and airtime in this country, to um, the persecution of journalists. So like you, you're fighting for airtime. We have <laughs> just found we have just found your relevance to the ordinary man in the street. You, you, so you're basically fighting for us to get the same amount of airtime for less. Is that basically what you're doing? That's part of it. But I'm mm. also fighting for journalists to be able to uh, do their jobs without. Uh, fear or favor very Without, interesting so, <laughs> so i've got your back that's a very interesting mika reddy yeah. a media freedom organizer at the right to know campaign doing all sorts of interesting things i'd love to get you back in the show so we can actually speak about this airtime thing mm-hmm. uh and and why it's important that we we get cheaper airtime and why why in the world you want to force the corporate capital to to, to make less money. How dare you? Uh, Mika, uh, so just give us a sense. We've, we've, there's news reports, there's people marching, uh, there's like headlines like today. It all, it's almost these days it seems that no day goes past without a headline that, that, that speaks about the SABC and the COO in particular. What exactly is going on at the SABC? We, we've been told all sorts of stories, but maybe give us just uh, sort of facts and figures around what's, what exactly is going on at the SABC right now. Well, speaking of Gucci revolutionaries, let's start with uh, Claudio Mozzoneng. Mm. Um, Shots fired already. <laughs> <laughs> Shots have been, been uh, going for a long time. Yeah. Uh, there's been an, an all-out war between us and the SABC. Um, Claudio Mozzoneng uh, is the effective head of the SABC. Uh, although usually a CEO is above a COO, not in the case of the SABC. He also, in terms of um, unlawfully passed editorial policies, is essentially the editor-in-chief of the SABC. So that violates a sort of golden rule in the media, uh, a, a rule of good uh, media practice, which is to have separation between management and editorial, uh, so that editorial is insulated from the from interference by managers uh, mm. from commercial and political interference mm. so that you know it's a it's a basic principle to ensure that editors can do their work without fear mm. um, <clears throat> so Claudio Mozzoneng ha- has ma- well constant power has been concentrated in Claudio Mozzoneng's hands and he's used that power recklessly um, as we've seen with the purging of journalists with the censorship on uh, the ban on covering protests uh, and so forth um, but also it goes beyond that. There are issues of serious financial mismanagement. Uh, the man pays himself more than the president. Uh, and the public protector has found that his massive salary increases um, and the hugely inflated salary bill to, um, to upper management uh, has been totally irregular. Um, so, so he bears a lot of the responsibility for the current crisis, indeed. But it's not just about Claudio Mozzoneng. <clears throat> We've seen political interference in the public broadcaster for a long time now. It goes back many years. Uh, listeners may remember the infamous blacklisting scandal. Mm-hmm. I think that was 2006, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but there have been systematic attempts by the state to undermine the independence of the broadcaster. Now, 
in the 1980s uh, during apartheid, the SABC was a mouthpiece of the apartheid regime, right? It was critical in controlling the narrative in favor of the apartheid government, whitewashing the reality, censoring, uh, censoring politics and, and critical voices and, uh, you know, um, pretending that the, uh, townships weren't being rendered ungovernable and there weren't constant bloody protests. Mm. And then in the early 1990s, things were changed, were changed dramatically. During the transition, the SABC underwent a very, very dramatic transformation and was in many ways held up as a model of how to turn a state broadcaster, a state mouthpiece, into a public, accountable broadcaster. Mm. A broadcaster that is transparent, that can deliver, uh, that is accountable to the public and can deliver programming, public interest programming and news that is impartial and balanced and fair. And it was held up really as, as, a, as a very successful case of transforming uh, of building a public broadcaster. Um, but then over the years, and increasingly, we've seen as the, as the state, as the government, the ruling party has become more and more uh, unaccountable, uh, has started to face somewhat of a crisis of legitimacy. Mm. It's, it's control of the narrative has gotten tighter and tighter, or there's been much more of a concerted effort to, to manipulate the narrative. the narrative. Well, l- l- uh, let's get into that because uh, we, we hear, I mean, Cloudy makes the point that the news media is negative and has taken on, um, and he's, he's even spoken about imposing a 70% sunshine news quota at the SABC to show positive news about South Africa and get away from all this negative stuff. Uh, it, is that not what we hear a lot of people saying? The news is so negative, always showing the negative things. I mean, what's so wrong with uh, with Cloudy just wanting a little bit of sunshine? <laughs> it's not the business of a public broadcaster to be doing that, to be basically advertising for government, right? This is not a PR firm. This is not a... a, a this is not a, uh, a, a, an arm of the South African uh, tourism department, mm. right? The public broadcaster has a mandate to deliver public interest programming and news that is impartial and balanced and accurate, mm. right? And if you're whitewashing the reality, if you're censoring protests, if you're, if you're turning the cameras away from massive violent upheavals in Chwane because you want to present South Africa uh, in a postcard perfect glossy way that's censorship and that's mm. not the role of the public broadcaster but the help, public uh, broadcaster yeah. is supposed to reflect reality it's supposed to show south africans what is going on in the country and there's good and there's bad yes mm. but there's a lot of bad but help uh, me uh, help me understand how in the world does the guy so there's there's a hundred different events happening throughout the country uh few are the burning of things a few are uh, sports activities, few are, uh, you know, going and feeding stray dogs and so on. And he just decides, you know what? I'm actually going to start focusing on the stray dogs. What's so wrong with that? And, and, and who are you to tell him that, uh, uh, he should be focusing rather on the burning rather than the, the feeding the stray, the story, the, 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 the warm and fuzzy stories of feeding the dogs? I think any decent journalist would agree that, uh, the upheavals in Chwane that massive service delivery protests and so on are more of a pressing news issue than a few stray dogs. So I'm um, not a decent journalist. That's basically what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> basically what you're saying is I'm not a, I'm not anyway, a decent journalist. Of expression and all that. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, it's, 
it's not for the public broadcaster to be the, the public broadcaster's role is not to, to be advertising for government. Mm. Um, and yes, you know, there are all sorts of criteria that that editors uh, need to weigh up when in determining the newsworthiness of a story. Mm. Um, but it's also a myth to say that uh, editors think of one mind and, and all have a particular uh, anti-government agenda, some sort of uh, – that there's some sort of conspiracy to um, – to to portray South Africa in, in a negative light, uh, that these are these these are unpatriotic journalists or something you, you like that. I mean, look yeah. at the news; it, it's it's actually just not true. If you watch the news, there are loads of positive stories. I feel what was the, what was yesterday's positive story? I know what yesterday's negative story was. What was yesterday's positive story? Everything is everything is very uh, cloudy at the moment. So, <laughs> so we're only we're only focusing on uh, you one see, man. Right you see, now. you only know the negative <laughs> stories as well. You don't know any of the positive stories. That, 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 but that, that's but that's the thing. Isn't I see it? a lot of glossy stuff in the news. Right? Yeah. In fact, I think there's probably too much of it. But also, you know, th- this is a time in the political life of the country that is very fraught, mm. right? I think people would, uh, it would be hard to disagree with that. And look at the upcoming elections. They're said to be very hotly contested elections. And already we've had more than, as far as I'm aware, more than a dozen people killed in mm. election-related violence. It's mm. probably much higher than that, mm. right? And frankly, it is more important. And I would, you'd have to make a, you'd be very hard-pressed to make a strong case. But to, who to decides? Country, but it is important to show who decides on what is important and isn't important and what, what anoints these people with the right to decide that this is more important than that? Well, that's what editorial prerogative is, right? So it's not for a manager. It's not for Claudio Motsuneng, who's supposed to be ensuring that the SABC is financially viable, um, who's supposed to be involved in corporate governments and present business plans to parliament and so, so on and so forth. It's not mm. for him to mm. be determining what content makes it into but the news. But do you know for a and fact it, that it's, it's him who's doing this and not the editors at the SABC? He is ultimately editor-in-chief. And in terms of the new editorial policies, there is mandatory upward referral. There wasn't before. There shouldn't be. That's a violation of of editorial independence mm. uh, and freedom of expression mm-hmm. um, and basic and the mandate of the public broadcaster for God's sake. But, but we know that he is issuing these orders. He doesn't like to leave paper trails, mm. but we've heard from loads of SABC journalists and it's clear that the editorial line of the SABC is following what he said. He's brazen about it. Mm. You know, when he talks about the need for 70% good news, the protest ban comes from the top. Uh, when he speaks about things like, Journalists being unpatriotic, uh, journalists, um, when he says things like journalists should be easy on Zuma, basically, these sorts of things, um, these sorts of things are, are uh, followed by journalists and, mm. and, it, and, it, it, and it, it's all enforced. So these orders emanate from the top. Mm. We know that they're, they're complied with and if they're not complied with, then journalists get purged, right? As we've seen with the with the SABC eight. So, so it's, it's I, I want to understand. You keep mentioning the mandate, the mandate. Mm. So that's basically the one thing that we can compare his actions to, right? Everything else, and maybe the constitution. Um, there's nothing specific. So so it might not be stuff we like. He might not be the, the most the, the most attractive guy and the guy that we 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 like, but. It's it's just it's it's irritating things, but it's they're not illegal, right? Uh, what what 
aspects of what he's doing are specifically legal uh, with reference to the mandate or the laws of the country? Well, look at the recent Dicasa ruling mm-hmm. that said that the, the protest ban was unlawful. Mm. But Claudio e- Mozzoneng's being there in the first place is unlawful, mm. right? He's there in defiance of the public protector and the courts mm. um, who've said that his appointment as permanent COO is unlawful and irregular. Yes. But beyond that, I mean, just in terms of, of basic constitutional values and in terms of the SABC's mandate, he is violating things like freedom of expression, which the SABC is supposed to, in terms of its mandate, uphold and adhere to. Mm. He is violating basic... Uh, journalistic ethics, ethics of good journalism, such as the idea that editors should have prerogative, that, that, that editors should have independence and should not be operating in a climate of fear and intimidation. Mm, but ethics are and, not law, are they? Well, it, it, yes, they are law. Uh, in terms of the SABC's mandate, the SABC mm-hmm. has to comply with its mandate, and there are all sorts of mechanisms to guarantee that. Yeah. We have an independent regulator in the form of ICASA. As far as he's concerned, it's a non-entity. It's toothless. He's mm. he's basically given the middle finger to Icasa, mm, mm. right? So, and, so, and that mm. that is a violation of the law. What is the SABC's mandate? Just uh, educate. In, in, uh, in terms of the news, <clears throat> the SABC is supposed to deliver news programming that is balanced, impartial, fair, and accurate, mm. right? And if you have a direct a director from the top, from this tin pot dictator. Saying, and he, he rules by diktat, he th- sort of throws out reckless orders. He'll wake up one morning and think, oh, well, you know, why don't we have staff wearing uniforms? Mm. Uh, as, you know, because that doesn't smack of North Korean style leadership. <laughs> but anyway, he throws out these orders and the effect of them is to, is to totally undermine the, the mandate of the SABC. Mm. Um, so yes, that's a flagrant violation of, the SABC's charter and its mandate to deliver programming that is impartial, accurate, balanced, fair, and so on. I'm still, it, I'm still interested in understanding the the, the editorial decision making. Mm. Um, so, we, you say it, it's coming from Claudi, or not, even if it wasn't coming from him. So, the SABC is an organisation. He leaves. Uh, maybe the status quo remains. Uh, is it? You speak of editorial prerogative. Is it in the hands of one person to decide what is newsworthy and isn't? And how do you measure? How do you how do you weigh these things up and say, uh, you know, they should have been focusing on the twenty the twenty unrest uh, as as a matter of fact when they certainly had news on that day and they focused on something else. What makes that thing less uh, less significant? Let, let me just be clear. You said that editorial decision making shouldn't reside in. The hands of one individual. No, I'm not Which saying that. I'm asking, is that the case? You, you know better. Well, well, well what, what, it, what, it, mm. it is. And as I've said, Claudio Mozuneng doesn't try to hide uh, his intentions. He's he's absolutely brazen in the way he goes about. No, I'm uh, saying, ideally, should it be in? Uh, when you say editorial prerogative, what are you talking about? Is it the editor specifically, like an individual called the editor that decides, or is it? Uh, well, generally, in in. Um, in public broadcasters, in, in, in media organizations that adhere to strict codes of, of uh, journalistic ethics and, and um, are seen as successful uh, models, uh, you, you would have an editor-in-chief, yes. But that editor-in-chief wouldn't rule by diktat uh, and certainly wouldn't be a manager, mm. right? So they, they, there needs to be a separation between management and editorial, mm. two sides. 
of the media operation. Now, as I said, the, the policies that were pushed through have undermined this, this basic uh, principle. And in terms of these policies, everything uh, has to be referred upwards. Mm. Now, usually, I mean, in a good accountable public broadcaster, there would be checks and balances. And we do have, at least on paper, very good checks and balances. So, for instance, ICASA is supposed to ensure that the SABC adheres to its mandate, mm. right? Uh, Claudio Motsuneng is supposed to account to parliament in terms of the financial situation of the SABC and the running of the, of the SABC mm. as a... Um, or the CEO uh, rather than Claudio. Or the CEO, but mm. the executive. Mm. Um, and the Minister of Communications also is supposed to have somewhat of an oversight role. But it's, it's, you know, this idea of separation of powers. But now everything has been concentrated in Claudio's hands. Mm. Uh, and Claudio is only accountable to Faith Mutambi. Mm. And Faith Mutambi is a Zuma lackey and is refusing to budge on Claudio. And she's keeping him there in defiance of, I mean, she has the ultimate uh, authority to appoint and to fire. But she's keeping him there despite what the public, pro- uh, <clears throat> the public protector has said and despite what the courts have said. And let me just be frankly, j- just to take us, uh, j- just to go back a, l- a little bit. Mm. The very idea of saying that 70% of the news should be good news is flagrant censorship, that you can quantify in, in percentages how much news should be good and how much should be bad. Mm. Because on any given day, it's not like 70% of stories out there are good and 30% are bad, mm. right? You so, cover so, what, what so as happens. you said, there is, yeah, there's good news and there's bad news. And there's mm. all, there are all sorts of ways of, of weighing up the newsworthiness of something. Mm. So to, to just go back to a, a question you asked earlier that I didn't quite uh, get to answering, you know, that's, that's the important thing mm. is that you're not actively looking for good or for bad. Mm-hmm. You, that's having a, a particular agenda, right? You're looking for what is newsworthy and there are all sorts of, there's all sorts of criteria to weigh up how newsworthy something is. Yeah. Right? And the Chuane protest, for instance, you asked about the Chuane protest. Those were incredibly newsworthy. Right? Chuane was in flames. Uh, and as elections approached, that, that made the story even more newsworthy. It was tied to elections. Uh, it was very much about, uh, electoral violence. It, you know, the, the, um, uh, Party list system and Tokotadiza, et cetera, et cetera. These are all very critical issues that are, 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 are of enormous public interest. And while the rest of the country's media was focusing intently on Chuane, the SABC cameras were turned away. Mm. I mean, if that doesn't smack of censorship, then I don't know what is censorship. Well, I don't know. So, so, so I don't know what censorship is and Cloudy doesn't know what censorship is. Uh, it says, uh, it's a big English word, so maybe let's jump into this whole topic of uh, censorship. But just before we do that, uh, in in case you're listening and want to get involved, uh, hit us up on Twitter at Rory Shabalala um, or on WeChat at Cliff Central, uh, com. Um, we're sitting here with uh, with with Mika Chetty, with Mika Chetty. Um, I'm sorry, Mika Reddy, I'm sorry, Media Freedom Organizer at the Right to Know campaign. Uh, so Mika, you, you, so you, we've, we've gone into you explaining what's happening in the SABC. Uh, we've got this editorial thing that's happening. We've got uh, Cloudy, uh, uh, Cloudy who is, uh, basically straddling. He is playing a management role. He's playing an editorial role. Um, it's been described as a reign of terror. And then this word censorship, uh, comes up. Now, the Right to Know 
campaign says that media freedom and diversity are two sides of the same coin. Without freedom, the media would be the voice of government. Without diversity, the media would be the voice of a dominant economic interest. Uh, the right to know campaigns for media that can that can serve the information and expressions need and expressions needs of everyone in South Africa. So you guys are are, are in the space of trying to to basically protect and uphold uh, media freedoms and, and values, right? So that's one of the areas that you play in. And and censorship seems to be a big bugbear uh, for yourselves and many others. So can you educate us? Uh, what did you call me, an unsophisticated journalist? Can you, can you uh, educate the likes of us uh, and everybody out there about what exactly is censorship? Censorship is... The suppression of dissenting voices. It is the idea that you suppress uh, critical views, you suppress alternative voices, you suppress particular content that, say, is embarrassing to certain powers, certain powerful elites. Usually, I mean, power dynamics come into this. But but in some, it is the suppression of particular uh, content, critical voices, etc., uh, to serve a specific agenda. Um, and that usually is the agenda of the powerful. Uh, so we're talking about vested economic interests, political interests, and so on. Mm. So to serve, in the case of the SABC, I would say they're serving the agenda of a particular factional elite. Mm. Um, but it's the idea, for instance, that you doctor the news that... Uh, powerful managerial figures or political figures interfere in news content and demand 70% sunshine journalism mm. uh, to protect certain powerful individuals or entities or groups from uh, certain embarrassing realities or mm. from criticism, etc. So, let and me, to control the narrative, of course. Yes, so. let's talk about the narrative. Uh, if you compare, let's say, uh, what's happening in the U.S., mm. uh, you've got the CNN and you've got Fox News. Um, they focus; uh, they might focus on the same story, but come at it at completely different angles and have people there who are promoting very different agendas. So, this isn't something that we don't see happening all over. Why is it so wrong that it's happening here where you've got where you've got a platform that's being used and it's being used to promote a certain agenda? Look, I, I would argue that there's no such thing as absolute objectivity, mm. right? Every journalist has his or her own set of biases, lived experiences that inform the way they go about their work, etc. Et <clears throat> but the public broadcaster has a mandate that is different from commercial broadcasters, um, that is different from CNN or Fox News. Mm. Uh, like the BBC, the public broadcaster in South Africa is supposed to adhere to a certain code of ethics, a certain mandate, uh, and is not supposed to be politically partisan. Now, of course, it's it's always hard to regulate these things. As I said, every journalist, every editor has their own particular worldview and, and subtle biases, and this comes into the news. But there are certain checks and balances you put in place. As I said, there should be that golden wall between management and editorial, for mm. instance. Mm. <clears throat> Um, editors should have much more freedom to operate. That encourages diversity of views, that encourages uh, critical thinking and dissent and dis debate and discussion. And so, for instance, let's look at the SAVC-8. The first three who were suspended were suspended for objecting to a decision in an editorial meeting not to cover a right-to-know protest outside the SAVC, mm. right? 
uh, that was in a, in a sort of day to day diary meeting, which is mm. supposed to be a space for discussion and debate about what's newsworthy and what's not and mm. about news content and, and so on. Um, so those sorts of things, those sorts of ideals need to be upheld that, that journalists can operate with relative freedom, that, that, the, um, editors can, can operate with, uh, the freedom that they need mm. and without fear and intimidation. And that's not the case at the SABC where there, there is the stifling climate. Mm. Now, of course, you know, it's not just the SABC. We've seen commercial interference. Commercial interference is a perennial problem in any, um, Commercial media enterprise, yeah. media outlet. So let's let's talk about that. You, in most of in a lot of your documents, you speak about government censorship mm. uh, as if it's a thing. Yeah. Um, are there other types of of censorship, uh, uh, commercial censorship, and and how? What's the difference between them? Yeah, of course, the sort of uh, networks of power, the power dynamics are very different from media organization to media organization. So with the SABC, there is a very, we see a very concerted attempt by the state to capture the institution. Mm. Now that's not the case with commercial, um, commercial publications or commercial media outlets. Uh, another big sort of ongoing saga in South Africa that's, I think, quite, uh, quite interesting to look at and quite relevant in this case has been at independent media. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw there was a famous case <coughs> of Alid Danois in, uh, Cape Town, the Cape Times, who sort of got on the wrong side of her, uh, managers of her bosses and mm. was fired. And, and that, you know, a lot of that clearly had to do with disagreements over content, of the content of the, the publication so just, she was just responsible just as a background, for. Independent and is owned by at least a company that owns Sekunjalo. That's correct. Uh, uh, Iqbal Survey. Iqbal Survey, uh, who, is, who is considered to have very strong ties with the ANC. Is that is That's that true, but he's, he's a businessman. Mm. Um, yes, uh, and let's face it, wherever we go, Mm. Business uh, is intimately intertwined with politics. With politics, yeah. Um, but we've seen similar things at ENCA. We've seen, f- um, you know, uh, rumblings from within ENCA. Mm. Um, we've there was the the Duke saga. There was the ENCA journalists have complained about victimization mm. and uh, management preventing them from unionizing uh, and intimidation and that sort of thing. Um, so it's not something that's exclusive to um, the, the SABC. SABC. It's mm. not something that's exclusive to uh, the state. It's not something the state and government are, are, are solely responsible for. Mm. Um, commercial broadcasters have their own um, have their own problems, and and of course, businesses, businessmen. Uh, powerful business elites have their own interests oh, why, that are often well, at odds with the editors who they employ. Then um, why why are you then making such a fuss just about it? It sounds like you guys are making a fuss just about the SABC. Uh, you've mentioned uh, <coughs> what's happening at ENCA, what's happened at Independent. Um, you know, I'd like us to talk about NASPERS and what's happening at Media Twenty Four. Why such? You know, this has been happening. You say for quite a, a while. Why such a big fuss? About the SABC, have you been turning a blind eye to these things all along? Firstly, Right to Know has consistently pointed uh, has consistently pointed out that media monopolies present a real threat to media diversity mm. and therefore media freedom mm. in South Africa. Now we have taken on Naspers, 
uh, Naspers has been uh, has been guilty of undermining smaller competitors and very dodgy business practices. Give us an example. What do you mean dodgy business practices? Um, so, for instance, there was a case in the Free State recently where Naspers was basically uh, it 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 used uh, one of its small uh, local papers. It sort of cross-subsidized that paper to undermine a local competitor. Mm. And it ran that its own paper at uh, a loss to, uh, to just so that it could, it, could, it could sink its rival, mm. right? Uh, and this, is, this was a small publication that we're talking about, the one that was, um, t- was sunk by Naspers. Small publication uh, of you know, probably some very dedicated journalists, but a, 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 it played, I'm sure, a very important role in its community and was an important element of media diversity. Community print and community media uh, is, a, is crucial in South Africa and mm. has... Uh, a very important role to play in in uh, giving expression to the voices of people who are generally left out of the mainstream media narrative mm. um, and reflecting their interests and their priorities. The, the mainstream media has a very urban middle-class bias. And these small publications are very important in filling the gaps, in contributing to media diversity and the richness of the media landscape. And mm. what Naspers did was... You know, to use this its publication to sink a rival mm. uh, in a very very dodgy way, running it at a loss just to undermine a local competitor. Mika, is that um, so? How does that link up with the the problem then of of censorship? And 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 can you then say that uh, the commercial uh, media houses are also then engaging in in censorship? That doesn't sound. That sounds like maybe anti-competitive at worst. Uh, but how does all of this then link up with censorship? Look, as I said, media owners have their own vested interests, and sometimes those are at odds with um, with the role of editors, with the obligations and the duty of, of editors and journalists. So you, um, you've gone out on a limb and said that SABC is engaging in censorship. Yeah. Um, are there any other media houses in South Africa that are engaging in censorship? Well, what we see at the SABC is particularly egregious, right? It's so overt. Cloudy is completely blatant and heavy-handed as he goes about it, and he goes about it with absolute impunity. Mm. And that's the really shocking thing. Um, but we see it in much more subtle ways. So I gave the example of The Independent, uh, the Cape Times, and the case of Ali Danois, whose case was heard recently. That actually wasn't so subtle. Mm. Um, but that was a, a, an important sort of test case, an imp- important precedent-setting mm. um, case. case mm. um, <clears throat> But there are, I mean, as we speak, while we're dealing with the massive uh, fallout at the SABC, the massive crisis, uh, ANN7 journalists are being persecuted. Mm. Um, and they're going through a bunch of uh, show trials and, and kangaroo courts and, and ANN7 journalists have been fired mm. for standing up to management and management's um, uh, overstepping of the mark mm. uh, and in, and political interference on the part of management. Um, and Right to Know was there in support of ANN7 journalists. We've been speaking to them all along. We protested outside ANN7 uh, buildings in Midrand, uh, and we support their cause. The thing with the SABC, you asked why, you basically asked why this preoccupation with mm. the, uh, the SABC. And the reason for that is because it has a particular mandate and it is the most influential media organization in the country. And it must be held to that mandate. If, if the SABC's independence and its integrity is compromised, 
uh, then democracy in the country will be compromised. It, it is you know, the majority of households in the country, the majority of, of TV-owning households rely predominantly, some exclusively on the SABC for their their news needs mm. and and, their, and their radio as well and radio i mean the the reach of radio is is huge the sabc's um radio uh, listener uh, mm. it's 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 audience figures are enormous mm. um you look at for instance uh ukosi fm mm. it's one of the biggest radio stations the biggest the, the biggest on the continent mm. so um uh, so, so it's it's you know radio plays a critical role tv plays a critical role the print sector is suffering, mm. but the SABC has a, a mandate to inform the public. It is a, a news staple for so many households, um, and so many households rely exclusively on it. It, it. You know, if it is delivering propaganda and censored news and misinformation, then it's very easy to see how the uh, the, the heart of our democracy, the the you know the 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 credibility of our democracy will be undermined. You say it's easy to see because you're in the space all the time. Can you just again for uh, um, a journalist that doesn't know what he's doing? Um, what exactly is the link between censorship and and democracy? What what is that link that you you believe is is easy to see? <clears throat> well, democracy isn't just about going to the polls every few years to uh, elect a, a new bunch of. Leaders who may be uh, equally as corrupt as the last, um, and make all sorts of empty promises. It's 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 about you know substantive democracy is about political engagement, being politically engaged in the in the political life of your country. It's about making informed decisions. It's about participation. It's about um, you know the the freedom to associate and to to participate in, in in politics in a meaningful way, not just about procedural things. You know, going to the poll every few years and casting your ballot. Um, but even casting your ballot, let's just take a let's just look at a, a a sort of reduced view of democracy, which is just the procedural element of voting. If that is to be given meaning and substance, then voters need to be making informed decisions, right? And how do they make informed decisions if the media is telling one story, mm. right? And is, is, is feeding the population the story of the powerful, a particular distorted narrative, right? So we need a diversity of views. Democracy is about plurality. It's about competing ideas and the public being able to, um, to, to participate in that discussion, in that mm. debate. It, um, does censorship just apply to news or does it apply to other forms of content as well? Uh, it applies to all, all sorts of forms of content, mm. uh, but news in this regard is particularly important, mm. but also public interest programming. So it's not just at SABC, it's not just the news that's being censored. Mm. Uh, you'll know, of course, of this critically acclaimed show, a critically acclaimed uh, documentary called Miners Shut Down about mm. the Marikana Massacre. Mm. Now, there's no one can dispute that that was about an issue of enormous public interest, mm. right? Mm. It's the first massacre of its of its scale since apartheid, right? I mean, it was it shook the country, it shook the world, it made international headlines, yeah, right? Yeah. It signaled to the world that the honeymoon, the post-apartheid honeymoon, was over. Was over, yeah. Um, and yet, the SABC has refused to play it. Why? Well, you tell me. It's because it's critical to government. Exactly. Okay. So, uh, 
I want to just uh, go back before we we get into the so what of this conversation. I'm just curious. In 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 some of the right to know documents, uh, you say Naspers, which owns the Media Twenty Four stable, was sympathetic to the values of the apartheid government, mm. and as such, government put resources behind it. Um, so, has have the likes of Naspers who've been there before uh, the democratic transition have they been exercised of the demons of apartheid, or should we? Because there's obviously there's a lot. Increasingly, there's just a lot of you can't trust the media. You can't trust the media. They're they're serving these interests and and all of that. Um, have they been exercised? Can we can we begin to look at the news and just take the news for what it is, or should we be playing a very vigilant uh, role in 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 doing this? Well, Naspers is a very interesting case because it was very much the product of Africana capital, Africana nationalism. Right? It was it was built in response to the perceived dominance of the English press and it was very much uh, a project of the Africana nationalist project, of a much bigger project, right? And it was supposed to be the mouthpiece of Africana nationalism. Um, and in that regard, it, it was quite successful uh, for, the, for the political project it was supposed to serve. Um, and its economic interests, the interests of the owners of Naspers were very much tied to that political project. But Naspers has transformed a lot. Mm. That said, now it's a, it's a huge global company. Naspers has you know, enormous interest in China. Uh, it's a massive player on the continent uh, and a huge media player in South Africa, of course. Um, and its business interests are, I'm sure, at odds. I mean, it's, it's just completely intuitive, but they would at times be at odds with uh, their own journalists and, and, and editors. Um, but it's also, I mean, it's, it's, it's undergone quite a metamorphosis, but now it's very tied to a different set of economic interests. It's very influenced by, um, by, by the society it's in. And we see, for instance, Naspers and MultiChoice, MultiChoice, which is which is uh, linked to Naspers, uh, entering into very dubious business deals with the S- with the SABC. Interestingly okay. enough, mm-hmm. um, over, for instance, the selling of um, archival content at the SABC. Just give us a just give us a little bit more on that. What what is that? An ex- well, example? there was a very um, controversial deal entered into between the SABC and Naspers, where Naspers was the clear winner. Uh, it was a very murky deal, um, and what it essentially was was that SABC was handing over the sort of crown jewels, its archival content, mm. to um, multi-choice, to Naspers, um, who would then have uh, enormous control over a public asset. Mm. Uh, so it got a lot of criticism at the time. This deal was, was widely condemned. Um, but it shows, you know, Naspers has... Naspers has has transformed. It's now adapting to very new uh, political and economic contexts. Uh, but the owners still have economic interests, and always, I would say, uh, when you're talking about a big media corporation like that, the interests of the owners, uh, the economic interests of the company, will at times come into conflict with the editorial. Uh, Interests, yeah. uh, the editorial imper- imperatives and duties, mm. uh, and the interests of journalists uh, and editors. Mm. Um, but they need—that's why they need to be uh, various checks and balances in place. Mm. 
that's why you need to have, as I said earlier, a separation between the powers of, of owners and the powers of editors and, mm. and, and editors editorial needs to be, uh, insulated. Mika, as, as an activist in this space, uh, and you knowing a lot more than, than most about what's actually happening in this space. Do you consume the normal media that, that, that the rest of us consume or are you, are you having to go find alternative sources of media? Uh, it depends. We have, we do thankfully have a fairly diverse media landscape. Um, <clears throat> that is always under threat. Um, but we're a very diverse country. And I tend to read newspapers that are English newspapers and that are the big, you know, the big mainstream commercial papers. Mm. Um, and you believe you believe them. You believe that they are the the news that they're telling is balanced and and it's it's certainly not part of just a, a more nefarious agenda. No, not necessarily. I think that as the public, we should be consuming the media with uh, a degree of of skepticism uh we should always have a critical eye when we read the papers uh a critical ear when we listen to radio um you know that's that's very important and i, I as i as i keep saying it's not just the sabc what we've seen at the sabc has been particularly uh glaring mm. particularly alarming but it's you know you get edit you get interference in uh in editorial in various different media organizations in in Almost all, mm. but some are some are generally more reliable than others. Yes, mm. uh, but it's uh, that's the crucial thing about media diversity is being able to con- uh, expose yourself to a multiplicity of views, mm. right? To be able to um, weigh up competing narratives, and that's why it's important to have uh, media that doesn't just reflect the interests of a particular group or a particular demographic. Um, so yeah, I mean uh, coverage of one story may be may vary quite uh, considerably in from one publication to another. Mm. So the Sunday Times may cover something very differently to the Mail and Guardian. Uh, and journalists, as I said, have their own biases, their own political views, worldviews, etc. So, do, so it's do you about feel, that's why media yeah. diversity is so important. Do you feel then that the mainstream media that that uh, the ordinary man in the street has access to is sufficient to? To make the types of decisions, as you said earlier, that uh, are informed and 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 have balanced out all the possibilities, it's never sufficient. But in South Africa, it's hard to speak about the man on the street, mm. right? Because we have such an unequal uh, society. Mm. We're one of the most unequal societies in the world, mm. and that's reflected in our media as well, right? There is a massively a disparate, unequal media landscape. There's a huge digital divide. So you and I will be consuming our media on our smartphones and uh, on, on Wi-Fi, etc. For a lot of people, their only source of news will be the SABC, mm. right? So, and I don't think that's enough. It's certainly not enough. Mm. Um, community media, as I said, has an important role to play. But community media is faced with many of the same challenges that we see journalists um, at the SABC faced with, right? Local power politics, uh, interference by local municipalities and, and businesses and, and um, you know, dodgy deals between managers at, at, at local uh, mm. community media stations or, or papers and, and local businessmen, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we're seeing this um, in, a, in a very uh, threatening way 
with community media. It's not, I, as I said before, this is not something unique to the SABC. It's mm-hmm. just that the SABC happens to be the most important single media organization in the country. But we see it at a local level and it's, you know, the, the issues are just as pronounced, just as, mm. uh, just as serious to those local media organizations. Mika, as we prepare to, uh, to, to land this one, uh, I think the, the question then that sits, that always sits on my mind at the end of such conversations is, uh, okay, so there's a, there's, we've got a situation, there's a problem, um, at the SABC, but it sounds like in the broader South African media landscape, um, what do we do about it? Who's got the power to do anything about it? That's a good question. Um, if we're talking about the SABC, the SABC has a public mandate. It's a public broadcaster. Mm. So to some degree, it's supposed to be downwardly accountable to us, to you and me, to people who pay their TV licenses. And in, uh, let's face it, in a country like South Africa, a lot of people can't afford to pay their TV licenses and they shouldn't be shut out. Mm. Um, so it has a mandate to inform the public and we need to hold it accountable. There are all sorts of mechanisms. As I said, there is the regulator, there's, um, parliament, etc. But as we've seen, Claudio Mozzoneng treats these, uh, the treats critics with absolute contempt. Um, so we, there is a role for us to step in and there have been constant protests outside the SABC and SABC journalists. And you know, there are a lot of journalists inside the SABC who hate what's happening, mm. who uh, perhaps are, are too afraid to lose their jobs, but are still decent journalists. Right. And they're listening to us mm. and they're even covering our protests now in defiance of the censorship and, and, uh, the intimidation. So, you know, we have a role to, to keep the pressure on the SABC. The media has a role to defend its own interests. And by, it's hard to speak of the media, but I mean journalists and editors who, who adhere to principles of good journalism and are appalled at what they're seeing at the SABC. Mm. Um, and then of course there are, other processes ongoing. There are the, you know, the, there's uh, an application to the constitutional court. The, the uh, journalists who've been fired are going to the labor courts. Um, the ICASA uh, ruling may be challenged in court and so on and so forth. But this, I think, also must be com- complemented. Uh, it must be, it must be, the battles in court must be fought alongside battles on the street. People must take, must be, must be campaigning aggressively mm. for this. And we all have an interest in it. And I think um, we all need to show that we have a stake in this. Well, so you're speaking about uh, the marches in the street and, and so on. Uh, we're seeing a number of different interventions by civil society, as you've mentioned. There's the marches taking, taking the SABC to court, um, a lot of op-eds that are critical. But, you know, it doesn't seem like anything is changing. Uh, certainly... Uh, the courts have found against Claudia, as you mentioned earlier, being, even being there, mm. he's still there. So what difference does it make? So you're, 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 you're sending out a call to action to all of, to all of us, effectively, to go out and to be active in this. But what difference ultimately does it make? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is, it's, it can be quite, um, disillusioning to see that Claudia is still in, in his place, despite all of this. Mm. And he's, deaf to the criticism, the SABC board and Claudio Mozzoneng have their head in the sands. It's almost like they live in, in a parallel universe. Mm. Um, and it's the, the level of defiance on his part is absolutely astounding. But what's the alternative? Do we just sit back and watch this once proud public broadcaster sink mm. into oblivion for good 
This is a hugely important national asset, and at stake is our democracy. And the thing is, the public broadcaster, we've been here before, the public broadcaster was a state mouthpiece, and we transformed it mm. in a few years. Mm. In a very, very short space of time, it became, you know, it, it, it was always a work in progress, but it, it became a, a, a broadcaster that was held up as a model of transformation. And it was accountable and was able to deliver good public interest programming. And we're slipping back, right? But, and, and, and let's be clear, this is about, this is just one, the SABC issue is, is one battle in a, in a much bigger war, mm. right? It, it, it's, it, it ties up to so many other issues of state capture, of, uh, government, uh, accountability or rather lack of accountability and that sort of thing. Mm. Um, so, but, but, but it is also a crucial site of struggle because the SABC, as I keep saying, is the most important media machine in the country. We cannot afford to let it sink because at stake is our democracy and the well-being of, of, of our young constitutional democracy. Mm. And eventually, you know, if there is enough public pressure um, and if this is fought the right way with enough vigor, if, it's, if the re- response to what Claudia is doing is, is robust enough, we will see change. Mika, uh, sort of last last uh, question to you. What's, what campaigns are happening out there that uh, ordinary men, women can get involved in uh, to try and change, uh, turn this around? We've been having, and I say we, uh, I mean a coalition of civil society organizations, union representatives, the journalists themselves, mm. uh, and activists. You know, we've been having uh, meetings and we've been having protests across the country for weeks now. Uh, the first protest we embarked on outside the SABC this year, I think, was 20th of June. Mm. Um, and in response to, to that whole affair, uh, the, the th- initial three journalists were suspended. But we've been, you know, we've been keeping up the pressure. And every time, every step of the way, we want to make the circle bigger and we invite the public to join us at our meetings. I mean, even... You know, even if you don't even watch the SABC. How do we know? How do we know about your meetings and all of these activities? Uh, we publicize them uh, through the media, but we also, uh, I would urge people to follow us on social media, and, but also cre- crucially keep an eye on our website because mm. we post regular statements and updates on the SABC crisis. And your website? website. What, what's your website? R2K.org.za. Fantastic. Mika, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, it sounds, it certainly sounds like this is a big problem. Um, and we need to start doing something at least, uh, if we're going to save this constitutional democracy of ours. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, we will be back next week with Andrew Levy and myself on Frankly Speaking. All the best. Ciao, ciao. This is CliffCentral.com.